0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host Mitch Michaels. As always, thank you for listening to this sports podcast where we have a lot to talk about. Starting with the MLB playoffs and some college football with my buddy Matt Wittenberg. His Dodgers are in a Game 5 elimination, which three of the four series are. So some late drama there. We discuss Braves, Cardinals, as well as Astros and Rays. And then break down the entire slate of college football. A lot of good Saturday games, the Red River Shootout, Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, Florida, Notre Dame, USC, and much, much more. Matt Wittenberg is up first, and then followed by Chris Miller, breaking down NFL, my NFL expert. Five weeks into the season, the Browns lose again in terrible fashion. The Raiders, surprisingly, are 3-2. and two, And a lot of other drama-filled games took place this week. We discuss all that and more. Matt Wittenberg, Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right now on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some baseball playoff action and a good slate, great slate, of college football games. Matt Wittenberg joins the show. Matt, thanks for coming back on. Ah, of
1: course. Always happy to jump back
0: on the uh, Money Mitch Effect with you. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, this is uh, right in your wheelhouse. we got postseason baseball. we got college football in October. The fall's here in full swing. But i got to ask you straight off on a personal level, how nervous are you going into tonight's elimination game against the Nationals as a Dodger fan?
1: Uh, extremely nervous. The The team didn't look promising at all in game four. Dave Roberts has shown that he kind of struggles with managing in October. So, I mean, it's kind of the hoping for the best, preparing for the worst situation tonight. So, I mean, I think Walker Bueller should pitch a good game. He's really good at home and he pitched a great game in game one against this team so I'm, I'm holding out faith with him and having the option to go to Kershaw on the bullpen which is something that he's actually done pretty well in his playoffs career starting not so much but coming out of the bullpen he's been pretty solid at uh-huh. his uh, postseason career but we'll see I like that it's at home but obviously it's a game five elimination game and the margin for error is so thin so and this Nationals team is really good too Strasburg's been great during the playoffs so with uh i don't know cautiously optimistic i guess would be the uh, best words for
0: it yeah obviously got to be nervous when you're the top seed and uh you're in an elimination game in the first round i think the one saving grace would be bueller's been great and not just at home but in these big moments you do have kershaw on the bullpen um I, I think there's still look you're at home in elimination game you got the chance it's right in front of you it's just funny that. We had, what, two days ago on Monday, all four teams could have clinched and ended series relatively early, and that definitely and didn't And only happen. one did. Yeah. And only the Yankees did, which uh, doesn't make anybody happy outside of New York. But, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was a fascinating couple of days. I mean, the Dodgers really, you know, game three, you thought they might have turned a corner by having that big inning, some of the veterans and Freeze and Russell Martin stepping up. But game four happened. It wasn't good. This this very well could be Dave Roberts' last game as the Dodger manager, right?
1: You would think so, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like ownership loves him so much, and he's like the uh, the Andy Reid I read on Twitter. The Andy <laughs> Reid equivalent that always always great in the regular season, always makes the playoffs, but just can't can't get the big one done. So, I mean, if he doesn't get out of the first round. Uh, this year or actually if he doesn't win the World Series this year obviously that narrative is still uh, ringing true so I mean love the guy he seems like a great guy seems like a solid enough manager during the regular season but just for whatever reason his lineups and his pitching changes in October have been I mean questionable to say the least the last couple years
0: yeah they, they have I mean I'm just thinking why don't you just replace him with an actual computer it just pumps out the analytic numbers you want. If that's the <laughs> case, but I don't know if we're there yet technologically to have a computer managing a baseball team. But one day, uh, the rest of these series have to been go with the robo reps, <laughs> the robo robo lumps robo umps robo manager. I like it. Uh, the rest of the series. There's also another elimination game today: Cardinals and Braves. It's been kind of feisty, and I know you you're not a Cardinals fan whatsoever but they have been no, battling. Not, no. <laughs> they have been battling. <laughs> they were dead to rights when, of all people, it's Seattle or Molina that saves their season. Game five is in Atlanta. Of course. <laughs> course. Game five is in Atlanta, wit. and Atlanta's the better team, has, I think, better options at just about every, every position, but they've choked in this moment time and time again. So I'm leaning Cardinals to win this one just based on uh, history.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. As you alluded to earlier, I've definitely no no fan of the Cardinals and I would hate to play them in the NLCS if the Dodgers happen to advance as well. But yeah, there's something about that team, no quit, and then with uh having Jack Flaherty go today, who was probably the best pitcher in the NL in the second half of the season. I mean he's been he's been incredible. So obviously if you can ride him for five or six innings, I know the back end of their bullpen's been kind of shaky lately, but I just feel like they have more of that uh, clutch factor than the Braves do. And they've shown a propensity to uh, choking away the game so far in the series. So, I don't know. Home field and baseball is also finicky. Sometimes it's a big deal, sometimes it isn't. So, obviously, I'm hoping it's a big deal for the Dodgers tonight. But I could easily see the Cardinals going into uh, SunTrust Park, winning that game tonight, or this afternoon, rather.
0: Yeah, they won game one uh, doing just that. It's been an up-and-down series, a lot of chippiness. uh coin flip for sure and then the series that went to a sudden death elimination game that no one saw coming astros and rays that's actually going to be tomorrow the rays win both games at home and really it wasn't even close in either one i think that's the thing that stands out to people verlander got scored early the bats went silent Mm -hmm. i'm completely flabbergasted by this one this is you could have convinced me that every other series was going to be close but this is the one i did not see coming
1: yeah, exactly, and then them getting to, uh, obviously, shelling uh, Zach Granke in Game uh, 3, so it's not like they've been uh, just feasting on the Astros scrub pitchers, not that the Astros really have any scrub uh, starting pitchers, to be honest, but yeah, and that lineup, that actually looked really good. They, they came into the playoffs with the lowest amount of homers out of any playoff team, but I guess playing in that little uh, bandbox of a dome that
2: theres helping them out. <laughs> the worst it looked stadium. like they actually
1: had they actually had fans there the last couple of nights, so I mean that was that was cool to see. And I mean, the Astros were the overwhelming pick to take home this World Series. so to see them getting pushed to the brink by a scrappy Rays team that no one had any expectations for is definitely eye opening. I feel good about the Astros' chances in Game 5 with it being at home and Garrett Cole being on the mound. Right. So this is definitely eye-opening. And obviously it bodes interestingly for them and the Yankees if they happen to advance. And having to use Garrett Cole in Game 5 and him not being available for Game 1 of that series is definitely a little bit of a subplot too.
0: Yeah, we we talk about that a lot. Is that the pitching rotations get messed up if you don't close out series quick? Um, yeah, it had to be weird for the Astros to be like, "Whoa, there's actually fans here today." Says ah, there's not <laughs> just empty chairs. Uh, but hey, if you if you want to talk about a real loser in this series, how many former Pittsburgh Pirates are in this thing? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, the two pitchers
2: that are going uh, tomorrow definitely
0: are. I know. It's like so wow, is this is this is uh, they had a good team. I was like, what happened there? But no, it's uh. You know the Yankees sit and waiting. They swept the Twins, and uh, they're mashing. They're they're getting all the pitching they need for the Yankees. It's always just been: can they get to their bullpen? And if they can do that, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. Twins, who by uh, the, the way, went, win. Yeah, no Can't playoff wins
1: never in the playoffs.
0: No playoff wins. Like haven't won a game since two thousand
1: four. <laughs> brutal.
0: It's brutal indeed. I mean,
1: everyone kind of knew that they were that they were a one-dimensional team going into the playoffs if they mashed home then that their pitching was going to be a weakness so that's why I was a little surprised that the Indians didn't end up in actually catching them for the division at the end there but obviously you guys kind of fell mm-hmm. off the cliff at the end of the season that yeah. let them just stray away with it but we'll see next year will be interesting
0: yeah just as quickly as it was as it started all AL Central teams out of the playoffs didn't even get there, but okay, we'll see what happens with baseball. I know you're going to be on pins and needles tonight, uh, and and best of luck to the Dodgers. I'm still, still Much believing that they're going to they're going to be fine here, but you never know. Uh, we'll go to college football now on the money, Mitch effect because this slate of games is very very good, and I've uh, got to get your take on a few of these. Starting with the Red River Shootout at the Dallas at the Texas State Fair, Oklahoma and Texas. Every year this game has interesting subplots, but this one this one's shaping up to be something good. You've got dueling Heisman campaigns and you've got national championship aspirations. And I think it's safe to say that the loser is pretty much out of the national picture.
1: Uh maybe if Texas loses. I obviously they already have that loss to LSU, mm-hmm. but since they're yeah, well undefeated, I, I
0: I just don't know who else they would beat. You know, if if Oklahoma doesn't win this game, who else on the resume is going to be that impressive? Maybe, but
2: if they get a rematch yeah. against Texas
1: in the championship game, that would be the only situation where I could see if Oklahoma loses this game and then getting that second matchup and winning it. If they get have that opportunity, that would open the door for them potentially,
2: mm-hmm. depending
1: on what happens around the rest of the country. But I like Oklahoma a lot in this one, to be honest. I feel like. The offense had a little bit of a slow start last week against Kansas of all teams, so that was a little bit of a wake-up call. But I think Lincoln Riley always gets them hyped up for the game. Last year was a disappointment for them, and Kyler Murray coming up a little bit short against uh, Ellinger and the Longhorns out there. But I like Jalen Hurts. He's my presumptive Heisman winner at this moment. And uh, I don't know. I feel like he's going to want to make a big statement being that this is his first and only uh, edition of this game, barring another right. Big Twelve Championship rematch, but then that's not the Red River game, so uh-huh. a little different. But I like I like Oklahoma in this one. Where, where are you, leaning?
0: I'm leaning Oklahoma, but I think these games are typically closer than than not. And ten points is what the line is right now is a lot. I would say Oklahoma is going to win by about sure by about a touchdown or so. Um, I, I do think that offensively, and hurts didn't you know they they were sluggish last week against Kansas because clearly they're looking to this game. Now the issue is going to be defensively because Ellinger and that Texas offense can put up points, but can they put up enough? And I don't think that they will. I think Texas is going to have a really tough time. Riley is, is the best probably innovator in college football, maybe in coaching and in football. And I do lean Oklahoma in this one. Just too much, too many weapons, too many playmakers. I just don't think that Texas secondary is going to be able to slow them down.
1: I agree, and defensively, they've been obviously it's not saying a whole lot with how bad they were last year, but defensively, they've looked completely different so far this season. So that's been refreshing from their standpoint.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know they were sluggish to start out. They've actually started slow in the last couple games that they've had Texas. So I think that's going to be a tough one uh, for them because they can't start out slow against Oklahoma. They'll be down twenty-one to nothing (laughs) in the first quarter if you start out slow. Uh, here's an interesting one I wanted to talk about a night game that that's very good obviously LSU and Florida playing this week. Mm-hmm. Florida still going strong undefeated, LSU the same. LSU's a 13 and a half point favorite. And how it be I'll admit my bias here. I'm not sold on Florida. They keep proving me wrong, they keep taking money from me in doing that. <laughs> that is a lot of points for two teams that are at the top of or near the top of their division in the top 10. So I do like LSU as the better team. Too. Yeah, I that is a crazy high number to me.
1: I agree. LSU's offense has been, I mean, lights out with Joe Burrow also having a Heisman-type campaign of his own so far this season. And with them being at home, I like that. But, I mean, I don't know if they're 13 points favorite or 13 points better than Florida on that game. It's just Florida's defense is strong. They have athletes everywhere. I think they can score enough to keep – I think that is going to win this game, but I think that Florida does enough to keep it – within a
0: one-score game. Yeah, we mentioned, like, uh, you know, you mentioned obviously Hurts is a Heisman favorite along with Tua. I actually, funny enough, put a future bet in on uh, Justin Fields at about 10-1. to But the other guy in that mix uh, at the quarterback position is Burrow. And if Burrow lights up Florida, I mean, he's going to have a chance to play against Alabama. He has a chance to win the Heisman. It's, I wouldn't say likely, but the schedule suits up where if he keeps crushing it, he already killed Texas. I mean, it's going to be there
1: for him. Ah, no question about it. He wins an SEC title with that team that's been searching for a quarterback for, I don't know, ever since Matt Flynn, I guess, was there. And that's a big-time statement. And with how, how well they play defense, how, way the, how well they run the ball there, right in the national championship picture, too. And get them having this game at home is absolutely huge. It's, that's one of the best environments in college football, a night game in Death Valley. So if you can't get hype for that, then. I don't
2: know, it's
0: just not the sport for you. <laughs> it probably isn't. Uh, it probably isn't. But I'm looking forward to that game. Obviously looking forward to uh, a lot of things along with uh, Co- Coach O's interview after the game. Closed captioning has to be on, of <laughs> course. Because you got to have fun. Absolutely. you got to have that on there as well. Uh, another team that's really been confusing to me in terms of picking and betting on or against, usually against them, is USC. They play Notre Dame this week. At Notre Dame, Notre Dame's an 11-point favorite, and this is one where I'd have to like hold myself back because all signs point to Notre Dame winning big, but USC has proven that in these games they can kind of make them close. I, I'm, I'm in that same point where I don't think they go to South Bend and win, but I think they could keep it within 11 or 12.
2: And
1: they get uh, Keaton Slovis back huge. at uh, quarterback this week, so that's pretty big for their confidence going in there. Notre Dame just absolutely dismantled. It was a Bowling Green last week where they <laughs> yeah. won by like, or they were like forty-five point favorites yeah. and won by fifty. So.
0: Yeah, just some action.
1: <laughs> I agree, though. Rivalry games are definitely hard to judge, even in one, if one team is statistically looks better on paper than the other. Obviously, Notre Dame's a better team. They they have playoff aspirations, even with that one loss. So, I know they're going to want to try and come out and make a statement against USC, but big intersectional rivalry game. USC has really good receivers, really good athletes all around the field, but their coaching has been what's been consistently holding them back for however long since Sam Darnold left to cover up uh, Clay Helton's uh, shortcomings, I guess. So, I don't know. I think I'd lean more towards Notre Dame covering the 11.
0: Yeah, I I think the Slovis factor, too, because he looked really good until, you know, the, the BYU game wasn't great, but getting injured and then kind of slowing things down yeah Helton is the one thing in this game where you're not sure if he's going to be able to make those right decisions Notre Dame is kind of playing better and they play Georgia tough and you think maybe they turned a corner but I really I really don't know these rivalry games if I'm I'm getting a double digit number I kind of lean towards there uh speaking of which with my favorite bet of the week and I and I love this so much. Uh, Wisconsin to cover against Michigan State at about 10, ten, ten and a half at home. I think that is going to be oh, an easy that. cover for the no, for the Badgers.
1: A non-existent offense against probably the best defense in the country,
0: and a power running attack that it, it's like mm-hmm. it's like it's you know we watch a lot of UFC. I compare it to like that Khabib attack where you know what's coming. There's nothing. There's nothing different about it. But you can't stop he's it.
1: Going on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: they're going. They're both going on the ground. Taylor's coming, and Taylor's a guy that thirty years ago probably wins the Heisman before we got past happy, and it only gave it to quarterbacks. But I just think Wisconsin oh, here. That. If they, if Wisconsin gets the twenty-seven points, they're covering this game. I'll just put it that way.
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like Michigan State. Could, I mean, maybe ten would be about their ceiling. I mean,
0: <laughs> ten points. <laughs> Michigan,
1: I mean, I got to see them. A whole game against Arizona State and struggled to put up seven with a few missed kicks mixed in there. So they're good at beating up on the cupcakes in the Big Ten, though, with Northwestern and Indiana. But against your Buckeyes last week, they were actually able to move the ball. But again, more missed kicks and red mm-hmm. zone, miscues out there, and just obviously not being able to keep up with that Ohio State offense. So I, I agree with you on that Wisconsin
0: line, and going back to back, Ohio State then Wisconsin. Wisconsin had Kent State, another Mac, uh, another Mac Barnberger yeah, They
2: won on by. the road <laughs> as well.
0: Yeah, that's not that's not easy for their schedule. Uh, Matt Winberg here on the money. Mitch affects more college games to discuss. Let's talk about your squad playing against Washington State and the Pac-12. This is really going to test my theory with because I like to take points and I like to take underdogs and you know mention how. I was on the right side when you lost to Colorado and then on the right side when you beat Cal. But this line is, mm-hmm. is one point. <laughs> Washington State is a one-point favorite on the road, but it's teetering. It's going to be all between pick'em and one point either way. So this is by all accounts yeah, a pick'em. Yeah,
2: I it was a pick <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I don't know what to go with. I'll, I'll defer to the expert here. How do you feel about the Sun Devils going into this one against Mike Leach's Cougars?
2: Yeah, it's going to be
1: an interesting game. I'd kind of default towards the home team on a pick 'em game like this, and I just feel like both teams are actually coming off a bye, so no one's going to have an advantage there. I love the way that A's defense has been playing all year and actually getting really good quarterback, not necessarily huge numbers, but good, solid, steady quarterback play from freshman Jaden Daniels out there. Getting that big win on the road at Cal, he was really good poised to win on the road at Michigan State so the moment's not too big for him I like that it's at home Washington State's had the two bad losses in a row we know that they're going to be able to put up some points but I think that ASU's defense can probably do enough to mitigate that and then being at home might be enough to put it over the edge I don't think it's going to be a big win either way no matter what I feel like it'll be within one score regardless of which direction it falls but I'm leaning towards my devil
2: no bias
0: Obviously, I, I, I'm leaning your direction too, but nowhere near confident to bet on it. If that makes sense, I just don't. No, <laughs> this is I not one. I don't blame you. Day game as well too. We we've seen these these games get a little weird in the past. I feel like so. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna
2: stay game of the year for ASU.
0: I'm gonna stay away. I, I do want your thoughts on the state of the Pac-12 now because you look at these standards and it, it's standings, and it's like whoa, especially the South where every team is three and two or better. Three four and one teams, three three and two teams. Arizona is the only team undefeated in conference. And you have UCLA mm-hmm. just just chugging along at one and five, stopping into <laughs> losing to pick. Oregon State last week. Yeah, yeah. Arizona is is four and one. The only loss they have is that Hawaii game, week one or week zero. Washington, yep. who's been a complete disappointment, losing to a Stanford team that was completely beat up. And Oregon, who should be undefeated if they didn't blow that Auburn game. So, where do you think the Pac-12 is at? How do you see it shaking up down the road?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of unknowns. The only thing that's really known is that, and it's a carryover from the last couple of years, is that the conference likes beating each other up.
2: Mm-hmm. Those,
1: like, Friday games, ASU was beat Cal on a Friday game. So, I mean, that pattern held true. So, Washington losing to Stanford, though, is completely out of left field. Cause this is probably... the the worst stanford team that david shaw has ever had going back to when jim harbaugh was there i mean that was just a complete out of nowhere game they were had their backup quarterback in there obviously washington already lost to cal too so their playoff hopes are all but dismayed so it'll be interesting to see what they do this weekend at arizona yeah uh, traditionally plays really bad whether mm -hmm. it's at asu or at arizona I, i don't know the exact number but i think they were like 1-8 or something in their last nine games in the desert, so I mean, I I think Washington wins that one, but if they lose that wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't believe in U of A to be a real South (laughs) contender. I think that'll still fall between us or ASU, Utah, and then potentially USC, depending how they look down the stretch, so it's wide open. Oregon's far and away the best team in the country, and their playoff hopes are still pretty slim, though, just because of how bad Everyone else's, and they already have that loss in their that Mm -hmm. uh, blemish on their record with the loss to Auburn. But if they went out and they're one loss conference champ, they're going to have an argument. It just depends how everyone else falls
2: around the country.
0: Yeah, they're going to need some help. They're going to need Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma to probably lose up, and uh, they'll have a chance, but they're going to need some help. Yeah, I I, I don't believe Arizona either. (laughs) No bias, right? Like (laughs) on your side, not at all. (laughs) Um, I, I think Washington minus six and a half on the road. I like that bet because it's a desperate Washington team, and I think Arizona, a lot like the Pac-12 teams, just take the points. I feel, or normally I take the points, but in this case, I think Arizona is going to have that fall from grace here against a must-win, desperate team. So yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. A, a couple more games to kind of just break down. I'm looking at Michigan having another statement win, beating Illinois and covering just <laughs> <laughs> just another
2: another yeah, statement for them. Those. Big Ten
0: cupcakes. Just really showing what their program is uh, is all about. Uh, Another one of my favorite bets this week is uh, Missouri minus twelve and a half against at home against Ole Miss. Don't think Mississippi's that good. Uh, That was Uh, another one.
1: Been good all year too.
0: Man, sad state of affairs in Tennessee is their seven point home underdogs against Mississippi State. Just
1: Hmm.
2: (laughs) you know they're up fourteen to ten.
0: You know they were up 14-10 to 10 against Georgia and lost 43-14. to 14. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So that's another. I'm, I'm
1: surprised yeah. they ever
2: led that game, to be honest.
0: <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. And then uh, the last one I want to really get into is uh, Iowa-Penn State should be a good one, maybe the game of the day in terms of how close, close and competitive Corey. that is.
1: I'd, I'd, I'd go the under in that one.
0: Under, like, 42? It's a low under, and they, they're kind of under. It is.
1: Penn state can score too but I mean I think that Iowa defense is really good I don't know I see it like being 24 20 which is I guess right up uh, up against that under but just enough
0: any other final no, any other that's and, over so yeah never
2: mind don't take the under <laughs> <Don't>, <laughs> my own math betrayed me
0: it did a little bit you know we'll we'll, we'll work on some uh, some basic algebra next time we're in person here uh, i'll get the calculator out uh but matt winberg this was fun any other final college thoughts as we get going i know the sun devils are are chugging along ohio state's trying to make their push anything else stating out to you or are we just looking at alabama clemson for the fifth straight year uh
1: i don't know i feel like lsu might have something to say about that so Clemson struggling with North Carolina Is that a sign of things to come Or is that like the big wake up call like Alright guys no no more screwing around I don't think they're going to have any issues with Florida State this weekend mind you But another potential ACC roadblock Like I don't know the random bit team that they lost to a couple years ago We'll see but I feel like They're just going to squeak through Unfazed and that yeah They'll all come down to what what shakes out with the SEC between Georgia, Alabama, and uh, LSU. That's really going to dictate where this thing goes. I think Ohio State's probably going to be undefeated as well, so I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of teams really separating themselves, and then Oklahoma, who knows if they stay undefeated, what, what it's all going to look like at the end of the year. That's why we love the sport, though.
0: Oh, yeah, it certainly is. George, other team we didn't mention, you know, they play South Carolina and they're huge favorites, but they're the team that I think is going to have something to say as well. And what's going to piss everybody off, Ohio State fans, Oklahoma fans, Pac-12 fans of Oregon, if they go out, if they win the rest of their games, is if we have two undefeated teams in the SEC title game, they're both getting into the playoff so that's yep, that's the edit. thing where it's <laughs> like okay if georgia's if bama and georgia play undefeated in the sec title game that is not good for the rest of us <laughs> so so obviously so i hope if that if doesn't happen
1: a, if there's a one loss lsu team sitting there too if they're only lost being to alabama so Ugh. yeah that, that's, <laughs> that'll be like nightmare scenario for the rest of the country
0: more of the same matt wittenberg this was fun we'll be catching up again soon and we'll see how these picks go and uh Good luck with the Dodgers, and uh, we'll, we'll brush up on some math going forward for these over-unders.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, sounds good to me. Keep me sharp.
0: Huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg, who will be on Pins and Needles watching his Dodgers tonight. Let's see what happens for him there, but big college football Saturday. Always excited for that. We're getting into crunch time and uh, some big games there. Glad he was able to come on and break down all those. All right, next up on the Money Mitch Effect, I'm talking to Chris Miller. We're breaking down the NFL, which saw a lot of drama. None in the Monday night game because the Browns got embarrassed. We we discussed what went wrong there for my team. Are the Niners for real? Raiders beat the Bears in London, to improved, improved to 3-2. Colts trip up the Chiefs. A lot of games to discuss, including the firing of our first coach in the NFL season, Jake Gruden. Here's Chris Miller now to talk pro football on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, time to talk NFL football. Five weeks in the books. Chris Miller back again on the show. Chris, thanks for coming in and uh, discussing the NFL. Five weeks in already, hard to believe it.
3: I know, more than a quarter of the season gone, and uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. This is great. Love being here.
0: Well, I'm going to get the bad news out of the way first. Another disastrous performance from the Browns. I feel like this is becoming a reoccurring thing with me, <laughs> and when we discuss it and when I get my hopes up, the team just crushes my soul. This was as bad as it could have been losing 31-3 to to a still-perfect San Francisco Niners, who are now, along with the Patriots, still the only undefeated teams in football, on the Brown side of things, Chris, it could not have gone any worse, specifically on the offense. And I have some thoughts on this, but I want to get your opinion as a bit of an outsider here. If you were going to just show out some blame here, who do you think deserves the lion's share of the blame on what's happening for the Browns and their inefficiency on offense?
3: Um, all of them. I mean, <laughs> it's a team sport, to be honest. You know, you win and lose as a team, right? Right. Uh but mostly I think it first off it starts with that offensive line which has struggled this year. And you know, it's tough. The Niners their defense is looking a lot more uh like those Harbaugh days. Not quite at that level yet, but they're they're looking more like, you know, the the Super Bowl well losing <laughs> right. Niners defense. So it definitely starts at the offensive line. Baker Mayfield's making poor choices out there. And honestly I think Having Odell Beckham on the team, I don't think he's the problem, but I think you can see at a lot of plays he's trying to force the ball into him because he wants to keep him happy, and then that goes with Baker's poor decision making. So, um, yeah, so I would say, in some ways, too many weapons that he's trying to keep happy. Baker's making poor decisions, and that offensive line is is just having a rough go of it.
0: Yeah, um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I agree completely. The line's been bad. You mentioned the trade, the uh, the Vernon trade that really just hasn't worked out. Uh, the line's bad. Baker's been playing poor. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily put all all of the blame on him. I mean, the throw to Callaway, a guy that <laughs> I would probably have released by now if I was in the Browns front office.
2: Yeah. But
0: he put that on his hands. He didn't catch it. That was a huge momentum play in the game. And I, I'm going to go also at the top to Freddie Kitchens and uh, assistant coach Munkin. I mean, this offense, some of the play calling just looks so porous. You have a bad line, you call these 12-step 12 12 drops, no real quick slants. Uh, they didn't get the ball to Nick Chubb. I mean, they start the game with that reverse pass off the get-go, and they kind of fell in love with getting a little too cute. They fall behind, then they give the ball to Chubb. Chubb gashed the Ravens last week. I don't know why that's not the prime game plan every week. So... You know that's where I'm at. The defense battled, yeah. but you know they gave up some big plays. Uh, obviously, they played a Coleman right off the gate. This is a tough matchup because the Niners because the Niners are building something yeah. and they're doing it from the inside out with that interior line with Nick Bosa, with yep. uh, DeForest Buckner, Armstead. They have D Ford over there and Solomon Thomas. I mean, those are some solid guys to build your core around. And oh, yeah. you know they're a good team at home. They had the bye week to prepare. Kyle Shanahan is a wizard as a game plan artist, especially offensively. So, I wasn't yeah. expecting to necessarily win this game, but you got to put on a show and you got to do better than that disaster.
3: I mean, anytime you're playing a primetime game on a Monday night, you, you got to show up. They got outplayed by a better team who had a bye, which always, you know, works in that team's favor, especially when you have a bye going into a home game yeah. on Monday night. So, not only do they have a bye, they have an extra day on top of that for the Monday night game.
0: Right. I mean, you,
3: yeah. Put you a young quarterback in and. Going back to your point with Nick Chubb, I mean, when you have a young quarterback like Baker, you gotta run the ball more, especially mm-hmm. when you have someone as talented as Chubb in the backfield.
0: Right. And and we don't know how good Garoppolo necessarily is, but yeah. Shanahan put him in great positions to succeed. They ran the ball a ton. They got it to kittle over the middle. You know, they, they didn't make it they didn't make him have to make any too difficult throws. And you'd like to see that with Baker now because he is struggling and you have to wonder what's next for this team. Now the plus side, Chris, is that this is the worst the AFC North has been in the last decade. Yeah. So nine and seven might actually win this division. I'm still you know, they have the game in hand over the Ravens, who yeah. barely won this week over a Steelers team that's not that great. So the schedule's brutal though. Seahawks and Patriots are the next two games. It gets Ooh. a lot easier. But if the Browns can find a way to get to that nine and seven, ten and six range, I think they'll be okay. The question is, can they weather the storm of this schedule? But they're gonna have to put together some better habits and I'm looking at the offense and the head coach, Freddie Kitchens, more than anything.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, Freddie Kitchens, I mean, I wasn't excited about the hire to begin with. I think we talked about that, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, the two of us at one point, but it's only five games in. You know, it's, it's tough to say a coach is a bad coach when it's only five games into their first season, but yeah, he's definitely got tossed into the fire with a, a team that still had some pieces missing, like that offensive line. Against a pretty brutal schedule, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's hard to say, you know, if kitchens really is the problem. I think let's talk week 14, 15, 16, 17. If they're still, you know, look like a team that's not being coached up, then yeah. Then I think you can definitely start talking about the, the head coach being part of the problem.
0: Well, we'll see, and we'll also see about the Niners. Um, you know, they got the Rams coming up, so they're undefeated. Yeah. This is when their schedule picks up. We'll see how just legit they are. Uh, props to your Oakland Raiders who went to London, Chris, and beat the Chicago Bears They yeah. have a winning record now. It's been a while. It's been a while. We got a legit five weekend of the season, winning record for the Raiders. And I Man, mentioned it's that show-
3: long, it's 2017 <laughs> or 2016, 17, 16. That's,
0: good, that's uh, 16. Yeah. When okay. 16. Okay, but. Here's why I think it's it's a it's a good story. It's kind of a, a shocking story. I did some quick math here, Chris. The only okay. winning team, the only team with a winning record in the NFL to have a negative uh, point differential to the tune of about 20 points. <laughs> so when it's bad, it's bad.
2: But when yeah. it's good,
0: they're finding a way to win these close games. So, uh, look, yeah. the Bears' win was great, and the way they did it especially was great. I know Chase Daniel made the bad throw there at the end, Chris, but they yeah. ran the ball they got after the quarterback and they didn't ask Carr in the passing game to necessarily do too much that might be the the formula going forward
3: yeah definitely i mean look they they went and got Josh Jacobs for a reason late in the first round and it showed against the bears that's exactly why they had him there was to be a workhorse to get you those you know 100-yard games to put the defense on their heels you know tire them out yeah it was a great game plan and if i had told you before the game one team was going to have four sacks and one team was only going to touch the quarterback once you would have said that oh well the bears are going to have four sacks two of which will be khalil Mack, and the raiders will be lucky if they sniff chase daniels and it was the other way around big kudos to that offensive line i mean they they played great against a tough front seven yeah And yeah, I think Carr got knocked out once and it was Cleo Mack that knocked him down and it was fun to watch them sort of talking with each other afterwards. I I would love to hear what they had to say to each other. Um, And the Raiders defensive line got after it. You know, Max Crosby, uh, the rookie, I think he was like a fourth rounder, has been looking really good the last couple of games. Hurst, I think, had two of the sacks, so... Yeah, I mean, the defense is uh, showing up in big ways in the last couple of games.
0: you got to give Mike Mayock credit for some of the personnel moves he's made. And uh, everybody likes to kind of rag on Gruden a little bit. But he's he's coaching well in these tight games. You know, I joked about the, the point differential. But in these close games, he's done a great job. And that was a good job of Carr to kind of manage it, know that he's playing against a good defense, and, and realize that that's the type of game, much like a, another quarterback we're going to get to later. But there are times when you don't necessarily have to just go for the win. You could win by riding the running game and just not making mistakes. So that's good. And, mm-hmm. and the Raiders getting a bye, 3-2. and two. Being competitive, I don't know that they're yet quite there to compete for that playoff spot. But it's nice to see that they're back to being competitive and they're going to be in the mix uh, every week. Uh, the Bears, though, this is a, this is a bad loss for them in terms of keeping up with that division arms race. Yeah, that the NFC North, I mean, we were we were all dead wrong, not just us, but a lot of people nationally as well. That division has four teams that are all above 500. They might have the best team in the NFC in it. And, you know, every game is going to matter now. And now when we get to these divisional games, the Bears are going to look back at this one and say, man, this could really cost us down the road.
3: When you have a division as tight as the NFC North is, it always comes down to, you know, a game here, a game there. And um, yeah, this could be the one that that keeps them from being a division winner and possibly a wild card or possibly even missing the playoffs altogether depending on what happens the rest of the season so yeah it's tough but i'm happy the raiders can't (laughs) wait to win i mean i'm not gonna feel sorry for the bears
0: you can't feel sorry for anybody uh except for maybe chris miller on the money mitch effect except for maybe jay gruden because we've already got our first coach fired five weeks into the season And, uh, you know, the Patriots killed them, no surprise there. Uh, We know New England's a great team. We don't know how necessarily great this year because the schedule has just been been a joke. But the Redskins get killed. Gruden gets fired. I'm not going to be his biggest defender and say that he is a good coach. He's done some good things. He's done some bad things. But it's got to be, I would imagine, Chris, really hard to win as a coach and succeed in a system as dysfunctional as the Washington Redskins organization.
3: Oh, sure. I mean, as, as a person who has rooted for a team that's been dysfunctional for so many years um, and seeing coaches come and go, you know, it's definitely tough. And Dan Snyder is a, a really tough owner to work for. He's one, I think, who likes to be a little too involved in personnel decisions and putting a lot of the, the stress and higher expectations on a team that, you know, just sort of needs to – Get their train right on the track before we start thinking about, you know, playoffs and postseason. And Washington's a mess. I mean, they've been a mess since God, who knows how long, you know. And
0: they
3: they had one what decent year with Robert Griffin the Third's rookie year. Um, yeah,
0: it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of a uh, lot more coaches fired. I feel like this year, but uh, Gruden, it was only a matter of time for him. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Redskins. They play the Dolphins this week, which wow. I mean, that's I can't good, believe that's, that's a national uh, game. you getting
2: your,
3: uh, your, get your season back in uh, the winning track kind of game, though.
0: <laughs> Those yeah, years, the
3: Dolphins have been playing better lately.
0: Yeah, so. oh yeah. I, uh, I thought we could have two zero and sixteen teams before I realized they both play each other. So uh, yeah. we'll see. Hey, one one quick thing yeah. I want to yeah. yeah. <laughs> one quick thing I want to say before. uh we get to some of the primetime time game I do want to mention that the Bills are gonna make the playoffs this year. Like it's gonna happen. And I'm yeah. looking they they beat the Titans fourteen to seven and they're not a flashy team. They're gonna win a lot of close games. But the schedule coming up in the next two games, you got the Dolphins coming up, the Redskins, the Jets again, like yeah. they're gonna be about seven and two. Seven yeah, and three.
3: And they put a scare into the Patriots too. I mean they they played a good game against them.
0: You know, quarterback so, got hurt in the middle of that game. I I think the way they're built, with a steady running game and just definitely, I think we'd agree a top five defense in the NFL. That's, yeah, that that turns out victories, man. It doesn't have to be pretty. It'll just get the job done. I think Buffalo is is well on its way to one of those wild card spots.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't say they're going to win the division the way the Patriots are playing for sure, but that they're definitely, I think, a contender for a wild card spot.
0: And the Titans, but, uh, I mean, quick, yeah, uh, go ahead.
3: I was just gonna go back real quick. I, it's just an interesting fun fact: um, Jay Gruden got fired, and he's been replaced by, ah, by Bill
0: Callahan. Right? Yeah.
3: And when the Raiders traded away John Gruden, who replaced him, Bill Callahan.
0: Man, you're on top of it. That's good. <laughs> well, that means, win, that means whoever hires Jay Gruden is gonna win. That means whoever hires Jay Gruden is gonna win the Super Bowl, right? That's right. <laughs> so get on that. Let's go.
3: And, and, and Callahan will be the losing head coach. So there you go. So we Washington got a Super Bowl. Make it to the Super Bowl. And
0: lose. Okay. <laughs> and lose to Jay
3: Gruden. Yep. That's, it, my, that's my hot take.
0: That's great. That's great. Uh, I was just going to say on the Titans, we mentioned the Bills doing well. I don't know if Vrabel really knows what he's doing in close games. I'm getting worried now because, I mean, they cut their kicker, Cairo Santos, but a lot of poor yeah. decision making, including the decision that. This is a new one, Chris, to kick a 53-yard field goal with a kicker that's missed three field goals down seven with about five minutes left.
3: <sighs> yeah, yeah, I mean... I just
0: don't understand the math on that one.
3: Well, but Santos, like, yeah. the Santos, traditionally, has been a pretty darn good kicker, so... You know, and sometimes, like, you know, you gotta roll the dice and... At the end of the day, the only option or the best option you have is to attempt the fifty-three yarder. You attempt the fifty-three yarder. I mean, it's you gotta mm. you gotta play the cards that you're dealt, and that was the situation that they were they found themselves yeah. in. But
0: mm. I just I'm going you know. for it, or I'm trying to flip the field because at that point, I mean, what does the field goal really do? You still need a touchdown
3: yeah, to win I mean, that
0: game. So. But the
3: way their defense plays, sure. I mean, yeah, they, they could have punted it and, and tried to uh, you know gain the field. Uh, Field position, but it's tough. I mean, that was sort of a a slugfest between you know two teams, two two defenses more than anything else. And you got to take the points when you can get them. And clearly, he thought they had a good shot at it.
0: Well, I want to switch now to talk about uh, the NFC and their premier teams, and uh, it has to start right now, Chris. I think with the Green Bay Packers going into Dallas, and just you know the final was 24 but it really wasn't that close most of the game. Oh, yeah, no. They look like they look like the top of the mountain or near it right now in the NFC. And I'm, again, going back to the fact that when you don't make your quarterback as great as Aaron Rodgers is, when you don't make your quarterback have to do everything, look at how much better that mm-hmm. team looks. They have a running game. Aaron Jones scores four touchdowns. The yeah. defense is as good as it's been in seven, eight years since that Super Bowl. This is a dangerous Packers team and one that went on the road and just handled their business.
3: Yeah, Uh After the week one win, Aaron Rodgers came out and praised the defense. And, you know, for someone like Aaron Rodgers to come out and talk about how happy he was to actually have a defense that could stop people, you knew then and there that this Packers team was different this year than we had seen in the past. And, yeah, sure, the Cowboys put up 24 points, but it was pretty much garbage points, let's be honest. I mean, that game was over at the half. And the, the Packers' defense look great. And Aaron Jones, yeah, <laughs> again, you're right, a perfect example of, uh, you know, don't make the quarterback have to do too much, especially the Cowboys have a pretty solid defense. So when you can gash him on the ground and and give uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, short yardage situations and um, keep him upright, yeah, he's going to do some damage too. But boy, yeah, that was, I think you got to give a lot of credit to this defense for sure for, I think, the turnaround in this season.
0: You really do, uh, and I think it, it it has to start there. They have a front seven that gets after the quarterback. Their secondary is much improved. Rogers nice. still is capable. I mean, he makes throws, but they were riding the Aaron Jones train all night long in Dallas. A Dallas Cowboys team, mm-hmm. Chris, that, man, they played three games against bad competition. They look amazing. These last two games against legit NFL squads yep. that are going to contend for titles, they look bad. And yeah. what we're going to do is look at the quarterback position because that's where it comes to. I mean, Dak, that just shows you about week to week. You know, this is basically a week to week league. That Dak looks amazing. Oh, $30, $40 million quarterback, sure. He looked yeah. really bad on Sunday, like really bad. So I, I know it was one game, but, you know, you got to get better play from him.
3: Oh, sure. I mean, he's, looked, he's struggled the last couple of weeks and, you know, you gotta wonder: Should he have signed the contract offer that he had in the off season? I mean, how much money has he lost these last couple of games? You know, looking pedestrian at best. You know, but it's not all on Dak. I mean, last week Zeke couldn't couldn't do anything. You know, well, for, yeah, and, and to they gotta
0: in. they can't yeah. fall behind early because yeah. then then they can't really pound Zeke like they need to. If they're down two three scores, right. you know, well, they're not able to get him going.
3: Right. Well, this Cowboys team. Is and has been built to, to Not be a team that comes back from behind They're a team that's been built to Get the early lead And then control the clock with, with Zeke They can't score a touchdown Quickly if they need to if they're behind But they're not the kind of team that's gonna Come back from a 24 right. nothing Halftime deficit That's not how this team's built
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, You know, and A lot of that's on the defense for sure You know <laughs> Giving up 24 yeah. points But I think Dak as I've said before, I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. He definitely has his moments, but in a big game like this against a, a team you could potentially be seeing again in, a, in an NFC Championship game, he definitely didn't show up, but the entire team didn't show up.
0: <laughs> well, he's going to get paid like a great quarterback, and that's when you're going to hear people say he's overrated because I mean, that's just how it works at that position. It seems like the next to sign always gets yeah. the biggest contract, and I, and I agree. I think he can do good things, but... Not necessarily great. The Eagles are, are winning on the other side of the, you know, looking at the division. So mm-hmm. there's no guarantees here with the Cowboys. I mean, the Eagles are, try- are starting to find their groove. I know they don't, they beat the Jets, but the last couple, they have that win over the Packers. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, but I do think, though, Chris, that if I was going to pick my favorite team in the NFC right now, it's the Saints. And oh, what they've okay. done the last couple weeks without Breeze yeah, really pushes it over for me because that Rams game that they lost with him, I think it's way harder to have to adapt on the fly with a backup mm-hmm. coming in mid-game. But now they're able to kind of scheme with Bridgewater. The defense is, is picking up. And, and more so than anything, Chris, they're just a well-prepared team, well-coached team. Sean Payton wasn't yeah. going to let them roll over without their starting quarterback. They beat the sure. Bucs. They're 4-1. I just, when Breeze comes back especially, I think this team's going to be very dangerous and tough to beat.
3: Oh, definitely. You know, and I, I, I know Bridgewater is the backup quarterback to Drew Brees, but I don't really consider him a backup quarterback. You know, I mean, he was a starter in, in Minnesota until he obviously had the, the knee injury in preseason. Um, he's a, he's a solid quarterback. I mean, there's a reason why he was you know a top prospect coming out of college, and we're seeing it. You know, but second Saints quarterback since the merger with 300 plus yards passing and four touchdowns. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean uh, you know my, my take on the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks are that great of a team, but uh, they're
0: entertaining there, though. Just, they are should, inter, they are entertaining every week. The Bucks are. I don't think yeah. they're that great, but they are not a team. You don't want to ever pick them, Pick against them in survivor pools. You don't want to pick them in survivor <laughs> pools too. But you don't know what to expect for them, and they're entertaining. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at there. Uh, quickly around the rest of the league before we kind of look ahead to uh, this week's slate of games. Some other quick observations I want to make. Um, might have a hot take here, Chris. I think we've got to get ready and consider Justin Tucker the greatest field goal kicker of all time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, I, I I don't disagree with that. No, He's it's great...
0: in consideration, especially th- this this Sunday when he beat when he beat the Steelers. Did you see the yeah. kicks that tied and won it with the wind and how he played that? It was like a golfer out there. Yeah, like the first I mean, one it, almost it pushed right,
3: like forty six <laughs> yards. So that's that's solid. Yeah,
0: the first one almost pushed completely right with yeah. the wind. So the second one to win it, I never it like faded back in from a right footed kicker. I was like, how the heck did that ball do that? And I'm like, whoa. You know, uh, the Ravens. I don't think you know the Ravens are a team that that wasn't what you'd call an impressive win, especially the the Rudolph the scary injury there. The Steelers down yeah. to their down to their uh, third string quarterback now, but yeah. it was a big defensive play getting the punch out on Juju Smith Schuster that uh, really really got them going. So Ravens yeah. have a lot to clean up on. Steelers are kind of free falling, and you know I worry about that draft pick they traded for Mika Fitzpatrick because this could be a very rough season for them.
3: I find it hard to really judge the Steelers too much. I mean, they lost Big Ben after Week One, and even Week One, he really shouldn't have been playing with the elbow the way it was. So, anytime you lose that high of a caliber of a quarterback, you know things are going to go downhill quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense has definitely showed up in in games. Um, I know they lost to the Niners, but the Niners barely beat them. Yeah, uh, that defense showed up big time uh, in that game. If they had Big Ben, I think I think the Steelers win that game. You know, so the, uh-huh. the defense has definitely shown a lot of potential this season. Watt's been really good. There are pieces there, but is it just the missing the quarterback? Maybe you know. I mm-hmm. think so. I think that losing a quarterback of that caliber definitely really changes your season. It's, it's different than the Saints. Like the Saints lost Drew Brees, who's arguably one of the best in the league. You know, but they still had a backup of Teddy Bridgewater you can't when you are replacing right. Big man with Mason Rudolph and now a third string it's tough to win games in this league, you know even with a quarterback like Roethlisberger. so yeah um,
0: you mentioned there'd be a Steelers
3: yeah. apologist
0: because <laughs> <laughs> no you know you don't like them either I, you know you uh you mentioned their defense showing up you know whose defense didn't show up the Atlanta Falcons oh god yeah he's he's the second coach fired it. by the way I'm calling it right now. Yeah. He's not making it past Thanksgiving. Wow. Past Halloween, I'll actually say. Let's move up the timeline. I think Dan Quinn's gonna get fired. Chris, mm. he's a defensive coach. Let's just yeah. let's forget about the Matt Ryan issues and, and and you know, he's kinda regressed a little. They still scored thirty plus points, you know, against the Texans. Running game's been inconsistent. But he's a defensive coach. Yeah. And their defense looks like that. That's all I'm gonna say.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just I think one of those days where the unstoppable Will Fuller showed up. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know,
3: let's just give all the credit to Will Fuller for this yeah. one.
0: Crazy. Um,
3: no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it, their their defense it, it definitely has a lot of good pieces to it, uh, for sure. You know, and yeah, I think this is one of those situations where they need some better coaching or better defensive coordinator because they definitely have some good players on that defense, but they're not playing like the talent that they have.
0: True. True. And uh I, I want to also throw out there that we gotta give we gotta collectively, I think it's starting to happen, but we gotta start recognizing that McCaffrey's the best running back in football.
3: Uh currently? See, oh yeah. Uh,
0: it's, or are we talking all time here? No, not all the time. Clearly not all the time. But currently, I mean, leading yeah. rusher and catches passes, for me, Chris, it's availability and versatility. He mm-hmm. doesn't come off the field. Like he doesn't have a backup that actually play, plays. Yeah. Uh, another yeah, great fun. game, and I just you can't say enough about him. He's single-handedly gotten them back on track with Cam Newton out. He's taken on more of the workload, even if that's possible, and gotten the team yeah. back above five hundred.
3: Yeah, he's he's great, and I love running backs that are like this, like the Marshall Falk kind of running back, that uh, Ladanian Tomlinson sort of running back that can be on the field all three downs you know you can run the ball You can you know McCaffrey doesn't look like a big guy but he can pound it up the middle if he needs to you can spread him out wide he clearly has a uh, wide receiver skills that he's learned from his dad uh he's he's dangerous on any part of that field and you can you can game plan for him so much but you know they do so many different things with them in so many different looks I mean it's it's pretty scary and uh, yeah, he's fun to watch week in and week out, and that 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 flip. Oh, it was great!
0: It was great. <laughs> it
3: me of the one that uh, that Cam had a few years ago on his MVP season when he uh, flipped into the end zone and stuck it. The so it does.
0: Uh, it's a the, good yeah.
3: thing, you know.
0: <laughs> For sure. Uh, the only other thing I was going to mention this week before we look at is uh, you know the Chiefs lose to the Colts on Sunday night, and mm-hmm. it's at home. And anytime the Chiefs lose or a good team loses, it's shocking. I don't. Really want to dwell on it because you're not, you know, there's no teams that really go perfect. So uh, yeah. you're going to have games where they slip up. They were dealing with injuries. I just want to give credit to the Colts because that offensive line was incredible. What they did, how they beat up the interior of the Chiefs, how they did it with power football. And mm-hmm. I mentioned the, Q- the QB situation where sometimes you just have to manage the game. That was Jacoby Brissett because he showed that he has the ability to win some games if they need to. But that was rank Reich being aggressive, but just staying committed to the running game and, and Brissett not making any unnecessary mistakes.
3: This the Colts defense has been pretty darn solid all season long. So no surprise that they showed up. I mean, the the fact that they showed up in this way, you know, only allowing the Chiefs thirteen points at home is I think a shock. But they've got a definite solid core defense. And then Marlon Mack you know, did what Marlon Max done pretty much all season long, which is just pound the ball and give reset short yard situations. You know, and, and uh, definitely took a lot of pressure off of uh, off of him all day, just being solid on the ground. That's the formula to win football. It's funny because like that's always kind of been the formula, right? You know, it seems NFL. like it
0: doesn't
3: it. You know, you can talk, you can talk read pass option. You could talk. You know, spread all you want, but you look at a lot of the teams that win year in and year out winning championships, it's solid defense and it's running the ball and controlling the clock.
0: That's what the Patriots did last year, and uh, yeah, I feel yeah. like it's got to be a component of a lot of games. All right, let's look at uh, here on the Money Mitch. Effect. let's look at week six. Also, before I forget, every week there's one game that, you know, in the early slate where you're just not paying attention to, and I. I asked myself, did this game actually take place? That was Bengals Cardinals this week. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't see any of it live. I'm like, oh Cardinals went over to sure. <laughs> I guess like So every week
2: there's
0: hey, one, one Yeah, or every week there's one early game where you'd be like, did this actually happen? Or are they just lying to me? Uh, hopefully <laughs> we'll try to avoid that this week. Uh, week six, Chris, what games are you looking forward to the most?
3: What games am I looking forward to the most? Uh
0: you mentioned New that Orleans, one. Yeah, there you go. That actually, that actually, with Gardner Minshew, some Minshew mania in yep. New Orleans coming to town.
3: I, I, I'm not going to lie. I actually am going to be starting Minshew on one of my fantasy teams Ooh, this week.
0: I like it. I like well, it.
3: Well, I mean, New Orleans is, I think, around top five, top six in fantasy points given up by quarterbacks. Minshew's been playing great. Now that I've said that, this will probably be the week that he comes back down to earth.
0: <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure.
3: But, you know, I mean, i gotta, I got
0: to roll the dice. Niners-Rams yeah. is the one you talked about earlier, and that's going to yeah, be Niners, a great Rams one. Yeah,
3: Niners-Rams is going to be a good one to watch. Philadelphia-Minnesota is going to be a fun game. And, uh, hey, what about you know Monday night, Detroit-Green Bay?
0: That's, that is good. And Lions have to go on the road now, so we'll really see how good this Detroit team is. They go on the road yeah. and, and win. Oh, I mean, you got to stop doubting them like we always do.
3: It
0: yeah, pretty. be pretty insane. Yeah, but...
3: I think, I think they're going to put up a fight. I mean, let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers kind of owns the lines, especially you know, mm-hmm. in the last two minutes of any game. Um, so we'll see. But I think that's going to be a, a fun game to, between two teams that are going to be uh, battling each other along with Minnesota for the, that top spot in the NFC North.
0: Uh, Texans-Chiefs, good one there. Chiefs at home get the bounce back. Deshaun Watson comes in playing some good football. Uh, that's a tough
3: game to bounce back against. Though. I know. I mean, the- Texans uh, uh, that, that Chiefs defense not great and Deshaun Watson coming off a game where one wasn't sacked which is incredible and I mean he was lights out so that's going to be I think that would be a fun shootout kind of like the Rams Chiefs were last year I think that will be one of those kinds of games so that if you love offense I think that's going to be a good game to watch
0: I mean, I'm doubtful about Brown Seahawks, but, you know, I'm going to be tuned in. Russell's just incredible this year. Russell Wilson's been been good, and we'll see if the Browns can block somebody for a change. Uh, That toilet bowl in Miami between the Dolphins and the Redskins. And then uh, just to kind of put a bow on uh, what we were talking about, what I was just talking about, Falcons go to Arizona. Chris, if they lose that game, it could be the end of Dan Quinn. I think this is a must win for him. As the future coach of the Atlanta Falcons.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the Falcons would, would fire him midseason. I think mean, they might, but. Arthur yeah. Blank. If he loses this game, it's definitely.
0: Uh... Arthur Blank might just come down on the sideline and hit him over the head with the chair. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> does... Maybe not we, fire him, just we, injure him a little a bit. cell match? Yeah, just a little cell action. Uh, All right, Chris, this was a blast. We're going to do this again in a few weeks for sure. And uh, we'll see what happens. But thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect and talking some NFL.
3: Of course, man. Anytime, man. Appreciate it.
0: Huge thanks to both guests, Matt Wittenberg and Chris Miller, for appearing on today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Reminder, you can catch every episode of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. It's the easiest thing in the world. I don't know why you're not doing it already. But in all seriousness, thank you for listening. And check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. And follow me on Twitter, Money Mitch M21. A lot in the sports world coming up. More playoff baseball. Hockey is in full effect with some interesting, interesting results early. And uh, got to give props up to the last style it, it Izzy. I almost said it wrong. Izzy. Adiosenya defeating Robert Whitaker for the middleweight title in the UFC. Huge win for him. It's been great watching sports. October may be the best sports month of the year. Everything's going, and we hope you all enjoy it and continue to have fun. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.